This is Chase Stevens, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. We are taking over. Drink it in, man. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. And if you're not done with that, then he's got two words for you. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. A-W-P, another wrestling podcast. Bada-boom, realest guys in a room, how you doing? All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another wrestling podcast. This is episode 154 I'm Credo. I'm Minority Mike. And I'm the social assassin, Angry Cooter. Hey, guys. So give me the green light. Because I'm ready to go. go. Give me the red light. Oh, man. Tell me you guys are not fucking finished with that song. Ugh, Oreos. That's all I heard. <laughs> I want Oreos. Oh, Oreos. Oh, I don't know. Oh, anyway. God. Everybody. Can I... <laughs> If, if, if we have one complaint, major complaint about WrestleMania or any other pay-per-views in general, it has to be their overuse of the theme song. It plays every two seconds. By, by, by the time you get to the pre-show, by, by, two weeks before the pay-per-view, you already hate the song. You know, I, I can't even, like, look at, like, when they show the graphics up there for the next match and they're playing Pitbull, Greenlight, and it's Lesnar on the graphic. It just does not look right. <laughs> yeah, there's something wrong with that. Uh, guys, you know, it, it, it was a long weekend. We are WrestleMania hungover. Uh, but, you know, we still have somebody joining us today. We have Chase Stevens, former TNA wrestler. He's going to be joining us uh, talking about uh, Best of the Best Wrestling Presents Showdown for Special Needs. A big card coming up on April 21st. He'll be talking to us a little bit about what he's going to be doing. Are you guys hung over? I mean, there was just so much going on this weekend. I mean, even WrestleMania. Cooter, you, you even complained about it in the past. It's like a it's like a shift at work, man. And how many hours of wrestling did we watch this weekend? I know, and I, I probably missed the first uh, half an hour. I thought the pre-show started at 6. So I missed the Aries and Neville match, the one fucking part oh. of the whole weekend I was really <laughs> looking forward to. And then I had to watch it later on afterwards. And in case anybody's wondering, no. I did not watch Walking Dead. I waited till after WrestleMania. Ah, I did. So you did. weren't you weren't ready to go 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 go. Oh wow! Okay, we're well working in every as much as we can on the show. <laughs> like, uh, oh, oh man! Well, same thing for me, Cooter. I did not watch Walking Dead right away. I went to a WrestleMania party. Okay. Uh, one of my, one of my friends had a party, and the funny thing is, like, he's a casual fan. One of my closest friends, he had his party in his basement. A couple people came over. Me and one other guy were hardcore fans. Everybody else were casual fans. So it's the whole time we had to fill my friend in on stuff. By 9.30, he's like, how much longer do we have? I was like, yeah, <laughs> sit back and relax, bro. I guarantee you this is going to midnight. <laughs> I think it went a little beyond midnight, especially with Taker's outro. Yeah, I, I think it went. It's just too long. I, it's I thought they way skipped the match. I, 
thought I thought they were gonna pass on a match. I thought they almost canceled the Divas match after that. And I was like, there's no way they're gonna put it on. And they lo and behold, they still had them on. That's the one good thing that I have to say about that car, though. For as long as it was, they spread out all the good matches uh, throughout the card and put the stinkers in the middle, with the exception of that last hour. I mean, that last that last hour between Orton and Wyatt and, and Taker and Reigns was just like pulling teeth. Yeah. Uh, long weekend, though. Even NXT, guys. Uh, we had NXT. We had WrestleMania. Then we had the shows after Mania we'll get into. But let's just get right into the, the week that was, shall we? All right, guys. WrestleMania 33 has come to a close. Overall, overall, what was your, your final grade for, for WrestleMania? I mean, what did you give this show as a whole from the pre-show all the way to midnight? Uh, what would you grade this WrestleMania out of, I don't know, all the other WrestleManias? A, B, C, what? I'm going to give it a B, and, and I'm going to tell you why. is because I had such low expectations for this card. I was actually surprised because the matches that I thought would be good were the stinkers, and the ones that I thought were going to be stinkers were actually pretty good. And, and like I said earlier, they, they, they really paced the action out. Uh, I think they started the pay-per-view all very well, put other matches to keep you entertained throughout the entire night. Um, the thing I really want to say about it is it's probably the best WrestleMania that I had the lowest expectations for, is the best way of putting it. Yeah, you you talk about expectations. Uh, when you set your expectations low, it's it probably it's a better outcome. Um, but I'm going to give it a B minus simply because of the fact that there is a pitbull freaking concert. <laughs> That's the only reason why they got the minus because they had Lunchbox Lewis. I, I, is that what his name? Lunchbox. Who, who cares? Looks like it's more than a lunchbox. Looks like it's a freaking White Castle carrying crate. Never <laughs> thirty crates. I, that was like the worst performance. They could have filled it in with something else, but uh, I, overall, I thought it was a, a you know a decent WrestleMania. It was a lot better than the one in Dallas last year. That's oh for God, sure. definitely, definitely outshine that. I'll definitely have to go with you guys. I'm going to give it a solid B. Uh, I was hoping for more. I was hoping for something better. I think I was, I was lingering on those. Oh, there's going to be surprises. Someone's going to appear. I mean, we did get a surprise. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but. I don't know. I was expecting more, and I just didn't get it. But at the end of the day, it's WrestleMania. You, you can't complain too much. It's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, you know, a, a lot of hours to fill. So they were filled for sure. But uh, do you guys think it was missing anything? Like I said, I thought some. I thought there were going to be more surprises. But to you, uh, I don't know. It's WrestleMania. What were you expecting that didn't happen? Was there just something that I don't know was missing? I'm surprised there was no Samoa Joe anywhere on that. I didn't really necessarily expect a Finn Balor, but but I think at some point they could have had him either come out and either help Triple H or even just help Kevin Owens in the in the Jericho feud. I, I, I he's been on the roster now for what two or three months at this point. You, you kind of think he might have had at least an appearance on the card. The other thing that I, I thought was was strange: no Daniel Bryan. And, well, they didn't really have a GM for Raw, but, I mean, you didn't see any backstage segments with the GMs and that whole six and a half hours or, oh. or whatever whatever it was. I didn't even think about that. That's true. I'm going I'm to give it um, a pro and a con what, what was missing. The, the pro, the positive of what was missing was a long rock promo that <laughs> took like a half hour for him to get to the ring. To me, that, that just takes up too much time and it could be filled with matches. Um, the second thing... 
um, that's actually the negative that was missing was. Did I miss Smack- something? There was a rock promo. No, there wasn't. I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a positive that there was no rock. Oh, promo. my apologies. I'm sorry. It's all right. And that, and then the negative. I mean, you got a tag team division on SmackDown that nobody knows about. I mean, that's that's missing in action. I mean, granted, they had a match on SmackDown, but now now you're looking at this tag team. I can't even take this tag team division seriously. And now with the with the separation of uh, the vaude villains, because Mr. Simon Gotch decides that you know get released for whatever reasons possible. That tag division is horrible looking right now, and they they weren't even on the big show. I, I think that we should have had something other than Lunchbox Lewis performing on stage. It looked like CeeLo Green, and I don't know. It, that that just bothered me that the tag titles weren't defended on WrestleMania. Sure. Or the SmackDown brand, excuse me. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a lot of uh, bullet points, uh, if you will, that happened during this WrestleMania. We don't have to talk about every match, but some of the highlights, if you will, some of the things that, that stood out. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me uh, right off the top, I think it was a great way to start it. Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles. Now, uh... It's no secret that I was not looking forward to this match, and I still don't think it added anything to it. I, granted, hear me out, where uh, you know you, you had this uh, scheduled as a regular match, plain old regular match. That's what it was going to be. Ended up having trash cans involved where we didn't need it. If it was going to have trash cans involved, why didn't they just make it a hardcore match or a no-holds-barred match or something to that effect? But Shane McMahon, I'm sorry, the first few minutes of him in the ring trying to do wrestling moves at the age of uh, 50 or 40, I don't know, whatever. He's old now, though. He he just looked like old man man walking. Uh, Granted, he kept up with AJ. But still, a second year in a row that AJ Styles had to slow down for somebody else uh, because they couldn't keep up with him. But, guys, uh, tell me about your thoughts on this match. Maybe just Shane McMahon in general. And is this the last uh, that we will see of Shane McMahon in the ring? All right, let me put it to you this way, Credo. I'm going to completely agree with you. It was the perfect way to start off the pay-per-view because I usually start off with some kind of spot fest, like a ladder match or something like that. For for them to book it as a regular wrestling match and for them to try to showcase Shane as being something other than just a, not just a spot monkey, as, as the uh, Hardys would like to say, I think was a good move. So they let him show some of his MMA skills, which I thought added a, you know, a, a little little different, uh, you know, contrast to the match than, than what we're used to from Shane. So anybody who says that match is terrible is is it is an idiot, in my opinion. It's the perfect way to start start the show because it's not going to be the best match on the card. It's not going to be the worst match on the card, but it's going to have enough spots to keep the crowd entertained where they're not going to die into the next match because they were too overwhelmed from a spot fest like a ladder match. Like, you know, we, we talked about expectations earlier and I got to say, we went into this. We all agreed that this match was just shouldn't have happened. And oh, yes. all, all of our expectations were very low going into this match. But I, I got to say, man, I, I take up back. I take back a lot of things that I said about how Shane can't wrestle. Well, he still can't wrestle, but he did a lot 
better than what I expected him to do. I mean, he pulled off some moves that I didn't expect him to do. Granted, I mean, he's not an in-ring general. He hasn't been in the ring as long as AJ Styles, but he still went out there and did it. And I actually, you know, I I liked the fact that they opened up the show. It shocked me. I didn't think they were going to open the show, but it did. And I see the routine that the WWE does a lot. I mean, they, they like to have a hot opener. For every pay-per-view now. I mean, NXT has been doing that a lot. And then now all of a sudden it translated to the main roster where that first match is always going to be the hot opener. And that match surprisingly was good. I mean, the only thing I didn't like about it was the fact that, you know, the ref sold that kick like he was dead for a (laughs) while. (laughs) Like that, that one kick took him out for like maybe 15 minutes. But other than that, I mean, I I actually liked it. It was was very entertaining. It it went to the right person, which was AJ Styles. And and now it's over. And now AJ's probably going to get a title run soon, whichever brand he ends up on, which that's a subject for another topic. But it, it was good. I liked it. Yeah, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, for me though, I'm, I'm I, I love Shane. I loved what he's done. He had a hell of a match last year with Taker, especially with that spot. This year, you know, went up against one of the best uh, wrestlers in the world. Uh, Shane, I think you're done, man. I don't. In my eyes, I think Shane's done. But we'll see what happens. I'm sure. Uh, you don't think that that match was better than last year's? <laughs> oh, it was definitely better than last year's for sure. Okay. I, I just think. I, th- I I think I'm done though with seeing Shane McMahon unless it's he's going against like another GM or something to that effect. I don't want him going against the best wrestlers in the world, if you know what I mean. So well, I'm gonna sorry to sorry to break the bad news, um, but uh, I'm pretty sure he's gonna be in the ring again sometime <laughs> down the road. I know wishful thinking, but uh, maybe uh, you know what. What would really piss Credo off is if we put Shane <laughs> no, McMahon no. in the ring with James Ellsworth. He would go fucking ballistic. He would not. Dude, the amount of messages. He, we, me and him are arguing like crazy during the pay-per-view over that Shane match. He's like, you obviously weren't watching the same match I was. I'm like, dude, you're acting like this is the worst fucking thing you've ever seen. Okay, hold on. I want to see this. If that match happens, Ellsworth versus McMahon, who are you booking to win, Credo? <laughs> I'm looking for a double DQ, double injury, something. I don't know. But it's a no DQ match. <laughs> I it's just know a contest because Brock Lesnar comes in and F5s them both. This is the only time I'm going to talk about Ellsworth on this show tonight. But the motherfucker <laughs> main evented WrestleMania. He was in the last match, the second to last match of WrestleMania, and even had a spot on it. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> That's it. Well, Take her how to follow again. Ellsworth. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> that happened this year. But, uh, guys, uh, you know, we talked about surprises. Uh, you know, no Samoa Joe. But we had the return of the Hardy Boys. Not the Broken Hardys, but the Hardy Boys. Uh, guys, I think they had probably the biggest pop of the night. Uh, trying to tease the fans that they were going home on Twitter and this and that. Um, you know, I was almost, I was, I was kind of getting pissed off because I thought the New Day were going to insert themselves in this match. I was like, because they were, you know, they're like undressed, ready to wrestle, and I was like, no, I do not want to see the fucking New Day in this match. And lo and behold, the Hardys came back, guys. Uh, I did not expect to see the Hardys, and I, on top of that, did not expect them to win the Raw Tag Team Championship uh, on on WrestleMania. I was really pulling for Enzo and Cass. But that was robbed from them. Guys, Hardy Boys return, good, bad, and winning the championships at WrestleMania, good or bad. What did you think about this one? I got to say I was shocked. I didn't think they were going to be there. You know, I was one of the guys that got swerved thinking a new day was coming out. But then when that music hit, I got excited. And then when I saw 
Jeff run out. He looked like WWE Jeff. I got a little nervous. And then I saw Matt come out, do his broken smile and yell. And I was like, all right, we're in this. And the delete chance, they acknowledged the delete chance maybe once or twice. And I was like, all right, we got the brokens. They're broken. Awesome. This is going to be great. And then next thing you know, post-WrestleMania, the interviews. Matt Hardy was speaking some broken vocabulary, but he was also speaking in his normal voice. And that scared me. (laughs) That really scared me. Um, I thought that moment at WrestleMania was probably the loudest pop of the night. I mean, I have friends that were in that stadium and it's an open air stadium. Let that be known. And it was still loud when the Hardy boys music hit the place went nuts. Do I see them succeeding without the broken gimmicks? No, I I honestly don't. I want to see the best for them, but I, I see their WWE Hardy boys gimmick. It's going to fall down flat, man. But I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I I enjoyed it for the brief time that it happened. Yeah, I'll agree with Mike because I I was swerved and I was, I was looking at something else when I saw that the new day were kind of teasing that they were going to go into when the music hit, I, I, holy shitted, you know, but, um, I think maybe they might tease the, the, the broken gimmick a little bit because they're letting Matt do a little bit. And I wonder if maybe if that has anything to do with the, uh, the lawsuit, because I, I know Matt says he has it trademarked and all that, but if, if they're still pending a lawsuit, I mean, I'm sure they don't want to push it too far. And again, I mean, you could use that down the road. I mean, they're hot without it right now. I, I think it's a shame because Matt has gotten himself back over and, and, and so is Jeff with this gimmick. But uh, is it going to translate with, with the WWE fans? I mean, it's, it's translated very well with, you know, the indie fans and the, uh, you know, the internet wonders and all that shit. But I mean, once you leave these big market cities, is that anybody going to even know who broken Matt Hardy is? Uh, I don't know. I think they can use it down the road in, uh, in a feud against the Wyatts, you know, have something happen to them where you can bring that gimmick back out. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's, that's, that's pretty much it. No. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I think, uh, I think part of that has to do with that lawsuit pending. And I think once the air clears with that, they'll see how they want to go with it. Um, also though, you know, uh, the broken characters, I mean, you know, like you said, they could save it for a rainy day, build it up a little bit. It, they're almost getting the Dudley treatment because, you know, Bully Ray was an awesome fucking character. Came back to WWE and that was blown up. It, it, no more. You're, you're going back to Bubba and the, the Dudleys. And I, I thought WWE, you know, missed the boat on that one to where I would have loved to see that Bully Ray character in the WWE. And that ship sailed uh, long ago and they never, they never... Never, never did it. Um, but the chance on Raw that following night, uh, the chance at WrestleMania, delete, delete, delete. You cannot ignore that and how popular it is just with those fans. So hopefully it, it resonates more within the WWE in that, you know, they do find their way back to Broken Island, if you will. So I'm gonna uh, definitely going to be curious to see what happens with that. Matt, uh, Hardy, just... Matt Hardy put out a tweet, actually, which kind of like – acknowledged a broken gimmick in a way where he it kind of shows that he put it to an end where his tweet says the sheer nirvana of coming home to a deafening ovation at wrestlemania seems to have contained my condition if it can be contained so i mean that i think that's him 
pumping the brakes on the broken condition for right now, which is, uh, I'm hoping it works out. I don't think it's going to, though. And the other point I want to make is you, you compare the Dudley's return to uh, Matt and Jeff's. I mean, the Dudley's got a hell of a pop when they came back last year. The only difference was they didn't get a title run, especially right on their first night. No, yeah, Dudley's. That's what I'm surprised too, because if they would have won those tag team championships, they would have been like the most decorated tag team in the history, and they'd even let them do that. And that that whole year that they came back, so uh, so surprised, man, so surprised that they came back and won the championships. And it was Jeff Hardy's first win at WrestleMania, or something to that effect, winning a championship at WrestleMania. Current record, he has five WrestleMania matches. I don't know. Obviously, this doesn't count. This one, he's zero and five. Oh, so it was first win at WrestleMania. All right, he's only been in five manias. Wow. Five manias, and he's 0-5. I'm glad it went quick. You know, they they gave, uh, you know, Goldberg that little bit of a, an invincible look. He took three Germans and then automatically hit a spear. I thought that was kind of cool. They didn't drag it out, and I'm glad. So, I mean, that that match was, what, maybe five minutes? Yeah, the, ma- the match was five minutes. It was better than what I thought. I thought it was just going to be, you know, them bear hugging each other to piss the internet fans off, and then a couple power moves here and there done. I like the fact that it went outside and they pretty much brawled through the barricade. I mean, it it looked like a legit fight, and Lesnar came out on top. Which, in reality, it's not the best person, but it's better than Goldberg. Um, it's. <laughs> I just realized I, something. What's up? You tell me that match was five minutes. Undertaker's entrance was longer than their match. <laughs> exactly. So I don't. I don't mean to go off subject, but I just found a, a, a complete record of everybody who's ever wrestled at WrestleMania in alphabetical order, and Axe and Smash are three and zero. The Boogeyman is two and zero. I'm sorry. It's the Boogeyman has two wins at WrestleMania. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> you gotta send me a link to that list because I need a good fucking laugh. You're gonna get. I'm. I'm going through this list right now. As you continue on, I'm just gonna find the ones that stand out to me the most. Marty Jannetty. Well, I'm. I'm on the D's right now. So. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, guys, what's next is that Cena popped the question at WrestleMania. This whole match, where I was assuming the Miz and Maurice would have won it because Cena and Nikki were gonna take a little break. Uh, well, they won and they popped the question and. You know, okay, they have their little WrestleMania moment. He asked her to marry her at WrestleMania. I don't believe that he asked her to marry her at WrestleMania. I feel like he asked her to marry her a while ago. And they only did this just to create another fucking season of Total Bellas. And that's it. When he asked her, she was not even surprised. She wasn't even, you know, like, ooh, I'm so happy. It was just like she knew he was going to ask it. Yeah, it, it, ugh, There was no genuine reaction out of it for me except for... Ever since the Miz said that, you know, he made fun of him for not not for him, them not getting married, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, it, 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 the writing was on the wall that Cena was going to ask her to marry her. Uh, was it a good mania moment? Did it, did you even care about it, uh, or did this kill the Miz and Maurice's kind of fuel that they've had going? I mean, they were getting cheered at the Hall of Fame. Uh, people were cheering them in the the audience, and uh, I don't know. Did we need this? I, I think Miz and Maurice are dead now. We'll get into more why later, but I'm telling you, they're done. I, I, I think Miz got himself in trouble. I think he stepped a little bit too far, and I think Cena's burying him. I really feel that way. 
I, I, I just, I mean, I know they both threw their barbs, but I mean, Cena can throw barbs. I don't know if Miz has that kind of stroke, man. I, I really, and, and, and I'd rather talk about that than, than the Cena and, and Bella moment. I really don't care. Good. You asked her to marry her. God bless you. Well, let's talk about the aftermath of this match. You know, poor Miz and Maurice are on, on SmackDown. What? Uh, two days afterwards. And they cut this awesome promo. I'm like, all right, great. Maybe they're not done. And then they just disappear because Nakamura comes out of nowhere and just does an entrance. Who who writes this shit? But, uh, yeah. So he popped the question anyway. But, uh, guys, one of the biggest things that happened... Uh, well, not one of the biggest things that happened. Uh, the Undertaker, perhaps his final match. I'm pretty sure he's done. He hung it up. Uh, Dead Man is done. Uh, you know, this match, I'll tell you, probably is probably one of the worst Undertaker matches at WrestleMania. That horrible, hard. I think uh, Roman Reigns botched three spots in a row towards the end of that match. Uh, even trying to pick him up, he failed the first time and he tried to do it again. Like, Undertaker tried hopping up. And he couldn't pick him up. Oh, I cringed at it. It was so horrible and such a horrible way to go out. Like, you think you want to go out on a match to where, like, there's no there's no mistakes. It was a good, decent match. And that's it. You ended it. Congratulations, you know. Your career has come to a close. But, man, it was so horrible watching that. And then after that, he took off his hat. He took off his gloves. And he took off his jacket and left him in the ring. And right there and then, you knew... I mean, I, I don't think he's coming back. I think that, you know, everybody's like, oh, I, 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 he's not done. He's not done. He's done. He's the, what are you going to do? What else are you going to do with him? You know what I mean? It's, he, he unfortunately stayed longer than what he should have, uh, way past his prime. I mean, Shawn Michaels did it right. Go out on top. I uh, don't, you don't want to be remembered as, you know, uh, an empty shell of what you used to be, but that's almost what we have with Taker. Guys, uh, what did you think of this this last match for for the Undertaker? And uh, I don't know, what, uh, what do you think? I, a lot of people were saying that you know the, the Undertaker was obviously showing his age and in, in, in the in the botched spots. I don't think those botched spots were his fault, though. I really feel like the blame on, on two of those botched spots were fucking Roman's fault. The, the 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 tombstone reversal was definitely Roman's fault. Oh yeah. Okay, and then uh, you know the the spear at the end. It was like, how many times you could hit the ropes before you fucking put the guy in the grave? <laughs> Pun intended. It was like Undertaker's like, all right, let me turn this way. Like, what are you doing? Just get this get this shit over with. The motherfucker wanted to go back and drink some Jack Daniels with the boys. Here's the other thing that bothered me about this fucking match. They pan away. He's in the ring. He's in his ring gear. Yeah. They, and then all of a sudden, like, they pan the camera back to him after showing, like, a highlight. And he's in his hat, gloves, and, and, and jacket. Yes, we, we get the symbolism, which really is – it's a shame to see that he kind of did outstay his uh, – not his welcome, but his worth. I mean, that match was terrible. But, again, is that really his fault? I, I – if I'm Undertaker, I want one more match because I think Roman fucked me. I really, I would really be like, so somebody explain to me why the spear through the fucking announce table spot happened when it happened and the aftermath afterwards. It was like, it made no sense to me. There, ugh. 
just bad, badly booked and botchamania at WrestleMania 33. There's a couple of bad spots, but that that spear at the end with him bouncing the ropes, he did that last year against Triple H too, where he just hit the ropes multiple times and finally hit the spear. I don't know if they, they want to make it seem like it's him building momentum for a super spear or something, but he hit that spot last year, and I think I saw him do it a couple times. I'm pretty sure he did it against Braun. Um, I didn't really hate this match. I mean, everybody gives Roman all this slack. I mean, the guy the guy is good in the ring. I mean, granted, he botched a couple spots in there. I didn't think it was horrible. I actually, truly, I really liked the, the one shot of after Roman beat him and he was walking out of the ring, but then turned around and they had the fireworks going off behind him. And they had that camera panned from the ground up looking at Roman with, he had like this heelish look on his face as the fireworks were going off in the background. I thought that was a cool shot. Um, same thing the way I, f- I felt the same way you did when all of a sudden Taker was like in his regular ring gear and they cut back and now he's just standing there in his actual gear. I understood the symbolism of it, but it just, it just, it was crazy. Um, and you know, him walking out, going into, you know, he had to go into the stage. You couldn't walk the entire thing. I, I thought he should have just walked the entire ramp just to say goodbye personally, but it was cool how they did it. That might've taken a year. And he yeah, didn't even probably. make the entrance from the full ramp. A you lot know, of people don't even realize that that he, his entrance was halfway up the ramp. Yeah, it was the, my friend that was there live. He said like it was more than halfway down the ramp where he popped up from. Way oh, more yeah. than halfway. Um, they never specifically said he's retired. They just threw that at you that you know maybe this is him putting the stuff down for the time being. I mean, last year he did the same thing. After he beat Shane, he took the gloves off and left them in the ring. It wasn't a big spectacle like this year, but they never specifically said, I'm done. Yeah, always leaving that door open for more, just yeah. in case Vince can make more money off you somehow. Right. Right? Next yeah. year, he's coming back as the biker, coming down on the Harley. Rolling, 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 did you, rolling. Did you guys hear um, the mortician just signed with TNA? <laughs> <laughs> I love that fucking gimmick. K-Fabe News, the best news source on the internet. <laughs> well, guys, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, we didn't talk about every match for WrestleMania, but in your mind, who stole the show that night at WrestleMania 33 from the pre-show all the way to the main event uh what did you love the most Whew, that's a tough one Whew. you know the probably the best match on the main card was probably owens and jericho i really did like that uh i think the biggest stinker uh if we're excluding the uh andre the uh, andre the giant memorial battle royal Believe it or not, it was a match I had high expectations for. It was Ambrose and Corbin because the match they had on SmackDown this week was 10 times better, the rematch that they had. Yeah. But that was – thank God they put that on the pre-show because that was fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. It was like Dean Ambrose didn't even want to be there. Yep. <laughs> can, can I just bring this up, that Andre the Giant Battle Royal? How much of a joke that is. Yes, please. But can I can I ask you guys this question? I've been hearing things. I mean, everybody's talking about this with the Gronk situation. Um, that that a security guard allegedly didn't know that Gronk was supposed to be a part of the show. <laughs> that was so I horrible. noticed that. Yeah. And she grabbed him when and like they had the stall Ginger Mahal in the ring, 
And my friend said he was there live. And I guess apparently Gronk was supposed to be in a ring a little sooner than what it was. So Ginger was kind of just like standing there, like <laughs> sell, like overselling something from, from freaking Mojo. Man, the fact that that Andre the Giant Battle Royal, when it first debuted, it was something special. That inaugural one in WrestleMania 30. And ever since then, it just became like... Congratulations, you win Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Everywhere you go, this damn trophy's going to follow you for the next two months. <laughs> um, my show stealer, it, it's tough, man. It really is. But I'm going to go with the Cruiserweight title match. I thought that was a great match. Mm. The best thing about it is, you know, they didn't. They were on early in the pre-show, so they got a good solid 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they told a good story in there, I thought. And then would... With Neville going after the the fractured eye socket of Adrian, or of, uh, ah, with Neville going after the the eye socket of Mister Austin Aries, I thought that was a great way to kind of like end this end the match. That to me was the the best match. The stinker, of course, like just what you said, was Dean Ambrose, stale Ambrose, if I like to call him, and uh, Baron Corbin. Uh, guys, I'm gonna have to go with. Uh the Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. I thought that was probably one of the greatest moments of the night. Now, oh my god, yeah, because just for I think I went in there with the really lowest expectations. Like this is gonna fucking be the worst thing of the night. Why would they even book this match? And they surprised me. They actually had a decent match for for what they were and what they what could have been. Uh, and the, one of the things too, I, we didn't really bring up, but I'll bring up right now, which kind of was a stinker it was just briefly i'll just mention is the triple h for seth rollins seth rollins was at you know 75 percent speed or whatever not his full 100 percent seth rollins and you know i think we could you said it you said you didn't want to see him if he's not at 100 percent uh and you know that he was not at 100 percent uh yes there was some good stuff during that match but at the same time it just didn't feel like a good seth rollins match uh wrestlemania match and you know, another Triple H match, another loss for him, and you know, another year, I guess, for that. But I, I, I feel bad. You got to say though, they should have made that a tag match with, with a returning Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, and then you really could have protect Rollins, yeah, uh, against Triple H and Samoa Joe, and then drag out the one-on-one, and then get all the side characters out of the way to like say SummerSlam or something like that. Uh, and Seth Rollins I, also had one of the worst entrances too. How do you take a fucking flaming torch? Stick it to the ground, and then it's digital fire. Like, <laughs> they couldn't just, that like... That digital ramp was kind of stupid. Couldn't they I don't done... know what was worse. You had Randy Orton with the sperm following him. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? They want to make a, a viper. They got to make it a little longer than what they did. <laughs> Oh man, a lot, a lot of oh, man. If we could just, I, I can't wait till Botchamania comes out to just hopefully showcase of uh, some of that what was going on. But you know, guys, uh, also NXT happened. We're not going to really get into all of that, but uh, NXT compared to WrestleMania this year, I mean, they had a great match. We'll talk about, but I compared to the last year, the year before that, I don't think NXT was as good as the years prior, and I don't think it definitely beat out WrestleMania this year. I think WrestleMania finally beat. NXT in a way. Um, well, when you got eight hours to do it, sure, <laughs> sure. But you know, the years prior, man, they, you know, I think they they put on some amazing shows. But this year, I think the lack of superstars in there uh, that we were used to, the guys like Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, uh, all those guys moved up at once, and you know, now we have a little 
cherry pick uh, names in there. There, I don't know. They didn't really have the name power in there. I don't think this year. But uh, guys, NXT overall, out of all those matches, what was the match for them that weekend? Oh, there's no question. It was probably the match of the entire weekend, let alone, you know, just the match of the night. It had to be DIY, the revival against the Authors of Pain. I mean, that triple threat was insane. Uh, if, if, if you, you didn't know, get the if you didn't get the memo, make sure you make you make the Authors of Pain look strong. I'll tell you that one. Uh, fucking, they, I tell they you what, look Roman strong. Uh, you know what? I don't have a problem with that because I, I, I got a feeling you're going to see a DIY up on the main roster. What, what's the point of not putting over the authors of pain uh, if if everyone's moving up? I mean, I, I really feel that way. It's, it's just stupid. I mean, you, you always go out on your back. You know, you, you, you do the honors. You pass the torch. They're not a bad team. I mean, uh, Tolka and Razor. <laughs> Are are getting much better in the oh, ring. Is turtles. Sounds time, like the Ninja Turtles, uh, Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> well, that's no. I'm saying Tolkien and Razor from Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why it popped in my head. Yeah, it's, 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 what's his name? Akeem and and and, and Razor, some shit like that. Is <laughs> Razor name? and yeah, that's and, why I said Tolkien and Razor. I've been calling him that for fucking months. Call him Akeem, like Akeem the dr- the of African Dream. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh God. They're not bad. I mean, no. I'm glad they got a mouthpiece because, you know, it, it is what it is. That, that's definitely the match of the weekend, though. There's, there's no I, question. I love that match, and and the thing, the thing that that stood out to me a lot. You know how in the beginning when DIY and the revival turned and they decided to join forces to take yes. out uh, the authors of pain. Well, the next night on WrestleMania the women's match did that same exact thing where they all squared off and all of a sudden all three of them turned to Nia Jax. So they stole a page from that tag match. That tag match was amazing. I mean, the spot where you had, I believe it was uh, Scott Dawson and Johnny Gargano and they did the DIY finish. Right. And then the next thing you know, Dash Wilder comes in there and, and Tommaso Ciampa and they did the Shatter Machine. Shadow Machine. I was dying. I, I went nuts for that. That crowd loved every second of that. I mean, the, it was a great match, great storytelling. You know, I'm big on the storytelling. And it was just like very entertaining, like from beginning to end, entertaining. DIY is great. The revival is just amazing in that ring, what they do, how they, their ring psychology is great. They made that match so much better. They were so over. I mean, the the amount of like people that were going crazy for them, the, hoping that they may have had a chance to win. I mean, I I can't wait to see what they do on the main roster. Sure. You know what's interesting? You, you can arguably say that the tag matches on both nights, being the ladder match and then that triple threat, were probably the best matches of their prospective evenings. You could make that argument. So, I mean, to say that the tag matches are, are, are beating out singles matches nowadays, but yet we always say how weak the tag team divisions are. You ever notice that? It's a SmackDown tag division. It's weak. Well, I mean, the, the Raw is not much better, but I mean, look what they did with that. Yeah. Raw is a lot better than SmackDown. Uh, you, <laughs> yeah, Raw is a lot better than SmackDown. Let's, you're comparing apples to oranges right there, my friend. How about the one other thing too that stood out this week though uh, on NXT was the, the the debut of Aleister Black. Uh, 
Guys, do you know his previous work? Do you know what he did this weekend? I mean, uh, did he stand out to you? Does he look like a top player in the weeks to come for NXT? I liked his entrance. I thought that was different. I mean, the way he, like, it's like he rose from the dead. Like, he was just sitting there and he rose up. And then I thought the music was cool. The way he presented himself. I loved that flip he did off the rope right into, like, the seated Indian-style position. Yeah. I mean, there there was a lot of things I noticed in the match. I mean, I don't think him and Mister a Hundred over there, Almas, yeah, Almas, like we said last week, Credo needs a new name. For that. <laughs> I don't think they had, I don't think they had the best chemistry in the ring, truthfully, um, because I've seen Tommy Ann wrestle before, and he's a lot better than that. I didn't think it was a horrible match. Um, but I was interested. Like they, they got me interested in this guy with this character now. Yeah, he, he reminded me a lot of Baron Corbin in that entrance a little bit. Not fully, but it just reminded me of like a Baron Corbin entrance, the way they gave him that little spotlight kind of an entrance. And almost reminded me a little bit of a CM Punk with that sit-down Indian style thing. So uh, I'm definitely intrigued and see what happens with him down the road. What did you think, Cooter? Did you like uh, Aleister Black here? See, that's the thing. I like your boy Andrade Cien Almas. I love that dude. But I just feel so bad that he gets thrown to all the newcomers. I said this last week. I think he was Austin Aries' first match. I want to say it was Bobby Roode's first match. So anybody who's new, the guy gets a couple, you know, gets a, a victory here, a string of victories, and then he's doing the jobs to the newcomers. And, well, apparently, apparently the rumor mill with him is he's one of the call-ups, which I don't think he's ready to go up there. No, yeah. No. I, I think he no needs way. more time down at NXT because he is very talented. I'm actually, like, I like his heel persona because yes. he's the type of guy who's just, his character now, which is very interesting, is like he didn't even care that he lost. He's out there partying Party. in Orlando. Hell and he's, yeah. like, sending out these tweets with him and multiple women that I'm really liking this character. There's more to develop with him. I just think that they move him to the main roster already. He's just going to get lost in the shovel. Vince is going to Vince is going to think it's freaking Savio Vega for all I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's it's, it's funny you say that, dude. Los Moricos. Wow. Yeah, it's funny you say that because when he first came in, his character was so boring, so stale. You know, they were trying to push him as the face and. You know, when he did this little heel turn and he's, he's starting to put on a little bit of an attitude, it's starting to work for him. So he's starting to build some character. There, if A little bit more time down there, you know, is exactly what he needs. It's just like what they did for Samoa Joe. All right, guys. Well, you know, one thing on this whole WrestleMania hangover we're having here uh, – Led to the shows after Mania, the Raw after Mania, now pretty much the SmackDown after Mania. Uh, it almost to me seemed like the hype was killed out of it. I mean, now that they talk about it on the shows, that hey, it's the Raw after Mania. Now Raw is actually acknowledging that the Raw after Mania is you know the Raw to watch, and you know, you got to watch it. And you know, Raw had a few things going. They had the the return of Kurt Angle, who was twenty times better as Foley as GM. I uh, had a lot of favorite moments. Uh, we had a call up here and there, and then we had also a return. But you know that was for Raw. Then also for SmackDown, we had another. Uh, we had two call ups on there. Um, but guys, I don't know. Were you expecting more out of these shows? Uh, you know, every year it's always a big return, something, some big matchups. Uh, I was, you know, I don't know. I feel like we got some stuff, but they hyped it too much to where I was expecting a lot more out of this Raw after Mania and the SmackDown after Mania. 
it just left me wanting more. I don't know. Do you think they killed it by hyping their own after Mania shows? Not only just that, I think they they kind of recapped the night from prior too much. They're always showing the still shots and this happened. It, it, it just takes up too much time. It eats up so much clock. So it should have been really the new chapter, right? It should have been like yes. WrestleMania was the closing of that chapter. This should have been yeah, day one, right? Absolutely. I mean, and you're right. There's always some like great return. That's that's why I try not to like. I don't even go on the dirt sheets anymore. I don't want to know because when when the news broke that Lesnar was coming back a few years ago, or oh god, what was the other one? But you know, the next night on Raw, I, I just don't want to know. I want I want that surprise. So I try to. Yeah. I I want to enjoy the show. But again, I think you're right. That overhyped just really kills the momentum of the show. And and, and interesting enough. Uh, I'm kind of starting to hate those crowds because they're just trying too hard to get themselves over. Yeah. It's one thing to have like a raucous crowd in Chicago or New York or whatever, you know, a crowd that likes to have a good time. But we, you guys just go too far sometimes. Those crowds are ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So the thing is, like, I mean, I liked the Raws after Mania because of the crowd a couple of years ago. But now the WWE is trying to make it their own thing now where they're constantly promoting it it's the roll after mania where the crowd well they're gonna cheer who they normally boo and boo <laughs> who they normally cheer and it's all out of good fun and like it's fun guys let's have fun let's have fun mania is it fun when they're chanting pussy because <laughs> they did chant that to braun braun Strowman walked away <laughs> is it fun when they're chanting fuck you roman like is that out of a good spirit of fun come on Corey graves give me another good spirit of fun um you know it's they try to make it their own and that's what kind of takes it away i don't know if it's their game plan to like hey well they tried to force Roman Reigns down our throat. Now we're going to hate him. Now they're trying to make our night their own. Now we're just going to just stop and not acknowledge it. I don't know if that's the mentality they're going in with it. I mean, they're acknowledging the beach ball that gets passed around. When a couple of years ago, when people were doing the wave, they would zoom into the ring so the crowd didn't get that knowledge. But now all of a sudden they make it a big deal. And like I said before, they acknowledged the beach ball where at one point they panned to the crowd hitting a beach ball around. And you got Michael Cole, it's beach ball mania, guys. Like, it's just, uh, they just try to make it their own and it's just annoying. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the we had Angle return, which was great. I mean, he was 20 times better than Foley. Uh, the best line of the night was him with... Uh, uh, Enzo and Cass, and he's like, "That's not how you spell soft." It's like stupid <laughs> things like that. It was like, "Thank you, Angle. You, you just, you just made right Raw there. watchable again, right there." So uh, that was yeah. it, that was entertaining. Uh, the return of Finn Balor. Uh, it's still like they're protecting him a little bit. Uh, it, I mean, it, with that tag team match, I was hoping a little bit more from Finn, but I understand they don't want to rush him back too much. But uh, guys, also with the the Raws after Mania, the Smackdowns after Mania, uh, we had call ups. Uh, Raw had the revival. SmackDown had Shinsuke Nakamura and Ty Dillinger, and NXT is having Drew McIntyre. So, guys, with these names being called up, are you happy that they're they're finally on the the main roster? The one thing I loved so much when the revival came down to the ring, when they threw that ice cream cart, that was the best <laughs> part. Right. Of I mean, I love the match, but that just showed how heelish these guys are, how old school they are. When they walked down there, and it was Scott Dawson who just 
pushed that ice cream cart over with a vengeance. And the look on Biggie's face was priceless, too. I love that call-up right there. Um, I hope they do good with them. Drew McIntyre. I, listen, <laughs> let, let's be real here. I mean, I liked him you know, on the indies. I thought he was great. They should have let him just be Drew Gallows because that's the name that got him over on the indies. I heard from a little birdie that his theme music down in NXT is not his Drew McIntyre theme music. It is absolutely horrible. And yeah, it's just I bad. I love that track. I loved his theme song. I thought it was great. Um, I loved the Nakamura call up. I mean, I've seen Nakamura's entrance live. I've seen it so many times. But for some reason, when Miz and Maurice were in the ring cutting a promo and all of a sudden they cut to the stage and there's the violinist, that place went nuts. And kudos to Miz and Maurice because they cut a very good promo. My friend was there live and he said that the Miz and Maurice had the crowd in the palm of their hands that nobody noticed the violinist get onto the stage until he started playing. And then once he started playing, then the crowd panned over to the stage and went absolutely nuts. And then for some reason about that entrance with Nakamura, I've watched it a couple times. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it was just the entrance, but it was good. I mean, during the commercial break, he had an encounter with uh, Ziggler, and then they had a dark match after 205 Live. Um, But I I loved that call-up. Ty Dillinger, I was really hoping they didn't call him up, and that's no disrespect to Ty Dillinger. I just think he needs to be down in NXT I think he's the top guy who can carry that promotion into SummerSlam weekend. He, I mean, good for him. I'm happy for him. But I just, I just think that he's just going to get the Tyler Breeze treatment soon. Yeah, it really do. Yeah, it's like he just made a name for himself, and they took him right away. It's like if he just hung around just another year, just to, you know, to just to get more connected with the fans, maybe even get that NXT Championship as one of the homegrown NXT people. And that never happened. But that, going back to that Shinsky thing, Cooter, I don't know if you agree with me on this one, but he came out, uh, went to commercial break. I'm fast-forwarding. I'm catching up on my DVR. And then all of a sudden, I went to another segment, and I thought I fast-forwarded like his match with The Miz, and it just went to commercial, came back, and they never said anything else about it. And I'm like, what did I miss? What happened here? Yeah, uh, I, I hated it. Was it. So, it was so mind-boggling. Like I loved his entrance and stuff, but I thought he was going to say... Something to the Miz to start that feud because Cena's not going to yes. be around for a while, and he didn't say he even had his mouth gear in. He's had his, you know, like he was ready for a match and he didn't have a match. And I was, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, I love Shinsky's uh, debut, but what happened? Like, did somebody? I don't know. Did they? Did they forget something? Did they drop something? What? This is what I want to say about this whole segment because this was probably the best and the worst segment at the same time. Because again, Mike, you said it right. Their promo was amazing. Miz and Maurice had the crowd in the palm of their hand. I love it. I love where this is going. And then the music hits. I want to say something about Nakamura's entrance. It's cool. It's too fucking long. Everyone's got these outrageously long entrances now. Can we just walk to the ring and start beating the shit out of each other? How fucking, like ridiculous does he have to do this in every goddamn corner and wait for a certain part of the music to do his little fucking fallback and you, you know what i mean like it's it's just obnoxious everybody's gonna have that triple h type entrance you know what i mean like en- enough is enough of that bullshit but for there to be no confrontation 
and then for them to just go to commercial and 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 that's it. It was why okay, so you don't want to acknowledge the Miz and Maurice's promo. You just want to throw Nakamura out there for no fucking reason. So what's the point? Obviously, we know this is going to, you know, be a feud between Miz and Nakamura, which I feel bad for Miz. Again, it's because like I said earlier, I think Miz crossed the line. I think Cena stepping on his dick. And now the poor bastard is going to get fed to every fucking newcomer. Because I guarantee you this. Once Nakamura is done chewing him up and spitting him out, I guarantee you he starts doing jobs to Ty Dillinger. Bet me money on that. Ugh. Well, there was there was altercation. Unfortunately, it was non-televised, which I don't know why they didn't televise this. It, it, it would have been gold. But like I said before, during the commercial break, after they cut the commercial, Ziggler came out and confronted Nakamura and called him out. Um, they had a, a back and forth and then Ziggler hightailed it out and ran away, and that ended that segment. I don't know why it wasn't on camera, why what is on television. And then they had a match after 205, Ziggler versus Nakamura, which oh, in, in any other wrestling show, that is a gonna, that's going to be a great match, yep. fantastic match. It was a dark match right after 205 Lives. Nakamura won. Um, my friend said it, it was good, but you could tell they were – they were holding back and feeling each other out simply because it's the first time they're locking up and it's a dark match. So they're not going to do too much. Um, I mean, I don't know if they're, they just did that for the shit of it, like for the hell of it, or they just did that because maybe eventually they're trying to feel out how Nakamura is in the ring with a guy like Ziggler. And maybe that's going to be your feud going on. I I don't know. Um, but I, I wish they would have did something on camera that I could definitely agree with. Uh Definitely guys. Well, you know, Give me the green light, cause uh, I'm ready to go. Oh, oh give, I don't me, give well, me the red light. I'm, I'm still gonna say one more thing. <laughs> yeah, one more thing. 205 Live was probably the best show out of all the post shows, wrestling wise. I have to say it. That's it. There you go, guys. Uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, please anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Like us. Follow us, subscribe to us. Our social media links are all over, are all over the website. Uh, it's 2017. You don't know how to like something or follow us. Come on. Just anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. You know where it's at. But joining us right now, we have former TNA star Chase Stevens, who's going to be on a show for Best of the Best Wrestling, a showdown for special needs. Uh, he's going to be all appearing with... Uh, Tracy Smothers, Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton, uh, and a handful of other guys. Guys, it's going to be a great show that goes to a good cause, but he's going to tell us a little bit more about that right now. All right, joining us today is Chase Stevens, professional wrestler. Chase, uh, how's it going, man? How's everything doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. I can't complain. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, before we get into it, I want to you know talk about the show coming up that you're going to be on. Uh, Best of the Best Wrestling presents Showdown for Special Needs, Friday, April 21st at 7.30 p.m. at the Murfreesboro National Guard Armory in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, you're going to be part of the eight-man tag team main event where it's you and Shane Williams against Vicious and Delicious, the Barbarians and the Slambinos. Uh, what can you tell us about this event, Chase? Oh, well, it, you know, the last event that they had uh, back in January, it was a sellout crowd. So uh, we're going into that uh, already with those high expectations of, you know, can we top that? Um, you know, we got uh, the NWO coming in with Scott Norton, Buff Bagwell, uh, teaming up with uh, me and Shane Williams. And, you know, uh, 
if anybody's a wrestling fan from anywhere, they know who Scott Norton and Buff Bagwell is from NWO. You know, Shane Williams, he's been around 15, 16 years. I helped uh, helped him a little bit on the road back in the day, and he's just become, you know, larger in life himself. So, you know, uh, he's uh, he's the king, you know, and then you got the, you know, and then you got the four we're going up against, the Barbarians. Those guys are little berserkers, and I'm not even quite sure if they know the rules of wrestling. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the... Fact is, the Slam B knows. Anybody knows them knows. You know, they're you know they're liars, they're cheaters, thieves. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, going up against them, that you know, it'd be a re- you're looking at eight men that know what they're doing. But you know, you got the you always got the cheaters and the and the you know the guys that want to you know stab you in the back, and that's where the Slam B knows come in at. And <laughs> so I think we're gonna you know I think it's gonna be a good match. I think it's gonna be a little rough. I think uh, you know. Uh, Frankie Chiazzo's got Stormy Lee on his side, and uh, I'm not quite sure if she's going to still be on his side after she sees Buff Bagwell. But, uh, you know, that's that's just going into everything. You know, Buff looks Buff still looks good. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're, going, we're going out there with the strong four men. You know, I feel like I feel like our four men are stronger on our side. So, that's you right. know, anybody around that, anybody in the Tennessee, middle Tennessee area is going to want to come out, you know, uh, and check us out. Definitely uh, April twenty first. Definitely a night not to miss. Uh, but what people may not know is that in high school, you know, you were a Golden Gloves boxing champion. Do you miss boxing? And how did that lead you into the world of pro wrestling? I do miss boxing, uh, and I, and I never gave it up. I still I still box time to time. Uh, but I, I started boxing when I was eight, and just moved up the ranks. Um, you know, all through school and. It was just a little after after school activity that I did as as a child that my grandpa took me to, and then uh, you know over the years you just you can't help but to be good at it. You get you get beat up so many times, you get you know you get a little tough. So um, you know throughout the years I I did really well with it, and I you know my whole you know my whole childhood adolescent age of growing up uh, I thought I was going to be a pro boxer. I mean it just everybody around me always thought I was going to be, and mm. I thought I was going to be, and that's just, uh, how, you know, I had it pictured in my head. I never thought I was going to be a pro wrestler. Uh, I did, I did wrestle amateur in school and everything. So, you know, that was, it just wasn't, uh, wasn't anything that I really thought about being a pro at, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I was, I was a good amateur wrestler and, um, and I did enjoy watching on TV. It wasn't like, uh, it wasn't something that I was, you know, I was like, it was my religion whenever I was a kid. It wasn't like I had to watch it every Saturday, you know, and see what was going on. I just, if I, if I caught a pay-per-view, a pay-per-view at a friend's house or something like that, I'd watch it. But uh, over the years I went in the military, uh, I was in the army. Um, and whenever I got out, I come home, uh, on leave and my boxing instructor had passed away. And with that, you know, uh, went all the connections that I had. So, uh, you know, I had no connections, no way of getting a hold of anybody that, that I could, you know, figure out. And you just didn't think about that back then. You didn't think about, like, we didn't have cell phones and all that. At that point in time, with, you know, you had a little black book, and it just got lost in the shuffle. So, um, you know, I, I ended up uh, out doing a MMA and traveling on the road. And then uh, I ran into Dan Severns, and he, he already thought I was a professional wrestler. So uh, he kind of joked around with me and, and things like that. And then, then he figured out I wasn't a pro wrestler and told me I needed to be a pro wrestler. So, uh, he just gave me the right connections on who to get in touch with and things like that. Uh, and, and over the next few weeks I made those phone calls and, 
thought it through, made the phone calls and, you know, let's fast forward, you know, to today. And, um, you know, you know, been on national TV for many years, uh, become a three-time world champion. So I feel like he, you know, he steered me in the right path. I, sure. I did, you know, uh, I guess I was born to be a professional wrestler. I just didn't realize it, you know, when I was younger. Sure. And you you also worked with uh, Tracy Smothers, too, getting into the business, right? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about working oh, with yeah. Tracy? Yeah. He, he uh, Tracy's, you know, he's up to everybody in the world twice over. You know, he knows everybody. Everybody knows Tracy. Um, great guy. Uh, he took me under his wing, uh, 98, took me under his wing, and uh, he's took me on the road. And... I mean, like when I say on the road, I didn't come home for eight months. Like I had one change of clothes and told me to jump in the car and that was it. So, uh, I just thought I was going down the road. I didn't know I was going on the road. So, um, I, you know, uh, by the time I got home, like it was just one of those things, like you can't pay your bills on the road and things like that. Cause sure. we didn't have cell phones back then and things. So I get home and cars repoed and motorcycles repoed. And I had a boat. It was repoed. And, I was like, holy cow, it's already been resold. Like, no way of getting, you know, I just had to rebuild from the from the ground up again. But, I, you know, I, it, was a, it was a learning experience. I was young, and, you know, I back then I thought it was the end of the world. But, you know, <laughs> fast forward, and uh, it, was, it was a good learning experience, a uh, good way to build. I started from the bottom and worked my way to the top. And it gave me, uh, I think it gave me more drive to, you know, I, I, then I didn't have no bills because all that got taken from me. So it isn't like I had to stress and worry about that. I just had to worry about keeping busy and learning my craft, which is exactly what Tracy helped me do. You know, he kept me on the road mm-hmm. six days a week and mm-hmm. just, he, he kept me busy for years. And, and, uh, you know, me not being a wrestling fan, not watching it growing up, I really needed that ring time sure. for that time on the road. So if it wasn't for Tracy, I would, there's no way I'd be where I'm at today. Sure. And, uh, you know, a lot of the fans out there uh, know you from your time in TNA. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that uh, that moment happened to where you got signed by them and uh, just working with them uh, coming from, uh, like, the Indies and whatnot? Yeah, I, I, I was working for the Indies, and I was I was at the National Fairgrounds working on an indie show. And we heard that uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Jarrett was going to be there, and I hadn't met them at that point in time. And uh, sure enough, we showed up at the show, and um, it was me and Cassie Riley, and we end up uh, we end up working a tag team match against um, Disco Inferno and Spellbinder. Um, no, yeah, yeah, Spellbinder, uh, uh, big guy out of Memphis, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we went out there and, and wrestled uh, uh, that you know on the same show as AJ Styles and David Young and. Uh, Chris Harris, James Storm, um, and this is this is three four months before TNA ever even started. There was just rumor that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Jarrett got got up from uh, his chair up top and come downstairs with Jeff, introduced himself to us after the show was over, and ended up signing us all to a contract. Back then, it was a, you know we only signed a four show contract at that point in time uh, because they wanted to see how you know how it was going to take off and everything, but. That was the, you know, that was the very first spark that I got of like, yes, I'm going to make it, you know, like I give you, you know, um, a little credibility on the indie scene and things like that, because everybody was trying to get a job at that point in time. Um, WCW had just closed down. Mm-hmm. WWE was, was the only one in the United States really doing anything at that point. And then you had this new company coming up, TNA. So everybody that was a wrestler that didn't have anything going on. I uh, was trying to get in the door and, 
and we just happened to all be on the same show at the same time. And, and, uh, you know, it was some of us, it was luck, some of us, it was talent and, and, but we got our foot in the door and we ran with it. Sure. Now, was it a different TNA back then? I mean, a lot of things have changed in the company the past few years and it just quite hasn't been the, uh, been itself. Some people say, uh, do you have any thoughts about that too? Cause you were definitely there, you know, during the early days of TNA when a lot of people were uh, big fans of it then. Yeah, it it ha- it did change. It changed tremendously over the years. You know, we went from a Wednesday night pay per view, um, it cost ten dollars to go into, you know, cable television, uh, national TV uh, on Fox TV, and then uh, then we went or Fox Sports, and then we went to Spike TV, and uh, and then they jumped back and forth after that. I had left the company in uh, two thousand eight, uh, but at that point in time, you know we were on the upswing of going up and um, you know, that was uh, the same time frame that uh, you had a couple different people in office that changed in and out, you know, went from Jerry Jarrett to Dixie Carter and um, you know, just things wasn't in the plans for me going forward. And I wanted to explore my options outside and see where, see where it took me, you know? So, um, so I, you know, got my release and, uh, you know, just traveled the world on my own and, and got to sightsee and have fun and, you know, uh, see different countries and learn different crafts of different countries. So, you know, everything was good on my end. Uh, and then but I, I didn't keep track of TNA on, on that downward slope of, you know, going over to pop TV and things like that. Um, I have been keeping up with it here recently since, uh, Jeff has taken back over. Yeah. So, uh, and it seems to be on the upswing again and, you know, wrestling needs that other company and needs an alternate. Uh, and I think, I think TNA is it. I thought, I, you know, I, I think it could have been, I think it could have, ex, you know, just skyrocketed back then. I mean, it had so much talent back in the day of, mm-hmm. and they were all just hungry and pushing for it. And I, and I'm sure it's that way still today. I'm just not in the locker room to, to see who everybody is and talk to them and things like that. But, um, but just, just smart. He's been, you know, he's born into wrestling. So, he can't go wrong. I mean, he's, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to take it, you know, as far as TNA, as TNA goes, you know? Um, so, uh, I'm glad to see him back in office. I'm glad to see Dutch Mantel back up there and, uh, Scott Demore. Those, those guys are really smart to the business. And, uh, I think that they're, I think they're what, what was missing, the, you know, last few, few years of TNA, whenever it was, uh, trickling there for a while and everybody is, you know, thinking it was on the downfall i think that was the problem not having a not having a good creative team to push those stars to the next level uh injury comes along with this job uh, you actually had a scary incident uh in tna can you take us back to that uh, what happened because it was something i forget the exact the diagnosis some of your back or your neck uh can you take us back to what exactly happened and maybe what was going through your mind at that time yeah i went to do a backflip off a guy off, off his you know uh just a move that you do and I went to flip backwards off, off the guy's back pretty much. And, uh, landed on my head. It was just one of those things, you know, uh, high risk maneuver and the risk come in and the maneuver didn't. Um, so, uh, you know, I ended up breaking my, uh, C six and C seven. Um, I think I finished the match. I wouldn't say I finished it greatly, but, uh, <laughs> sure. you know, I, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I, I yeah. didn't know. I, yeah. I didn't know my neck was broke. Uh, you know, I, I just knew that I'd messed up and I was just like, man, mm. like 
and the world becomes really slow motion. It stops moving whenever something like that happens and, and you have to get your bearings back. And, uh, I was able to keep wrestling. I made the tag to Andy, Andy had come in and that's when I noticed I couldn't feel my hands. So I was like, Whoa, man, I can't, I can't, they're not even there. (laughs) So uh, so, then I, then I realized I had more stuff to do in the match. So as I'm getting up, you know, uh, going for a finish and move, my legs kept going out from underneath of me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I ended up getting the pin on the guy and, you know, the match was over. Uh, you know, I got out safely and as I was going up the ramp and going down the steps in the back, my legs would give out again. And I took a face plant and Don Harris picked me up like I was a child and set me in a chair and they had already called the paramedics for me. Cause I guess it really did look bad. I don't watch the video. I don't want to know what it looks like. I just know I messed up and that's where we'll keep it at. Sure. But, um, you know, TNA took really good care of me on that. Um, Dixie Carter and, uh, you know, uh, called the paramedics and everybody come in and, uh, visited me that night. And, uh, you know, uh, insurance kicked in, took care of everything. So I wasn't like really out anything. Um, it was just, uh, just recovering, you know, it took, it took a little bit of time to recover. Uh, but, uh, I didn't lose much time off the road. Um, cause I'm, you know, I'm stubborn. And even though you tell me I have a broken neck, I'm still going to try. So, uh, <laughs> so, you know, my first, first day back at TNA, they're, they're telling me that that, that move's outlawed by me now. I'm not allowed to do that move. So of course me being the stubborn ass that I am, I had to go out there and do the move. So I got, got a little bit of frown upon, you know, coming back to the curtain after doing the move, but, uh, you know, it's just me. I'm, I'm one of those guys. Sure. So I had to, I had to go out there. I, you know, I had to prove to myself I could do it, you know? So we got it in. Uh, and I think that was the last time I ever did that move, but, but I did hit it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Now you mentioned, you mentioned earlier too, you know, you wrestled uh, all over the world, uh, and a lot of just companies around the country. Uh, is there a difference for you as a pro wrestler to where maybe like the difference in the crowds, whether it be, I don't know, the North, the South, the East or West or any, any region out there, maybe, uh, your favorite or, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of curious as a, as a fan to where, how the other fans are around the country or world. Uh, yeah, they're, it's weird. Cause they really are different. I don't know if it's just, uh, the, the styles are a little bit different. Um, you know, Europeans, they, they like, they like to wrestle and that's a, it's a great style. I like it. Um, so a lot of, you know, amateur style wrestling goes into the European culture wrestling, uh, the Japanese, uh, that they don't really get, um, they love the, the fans love the matches, but they don't really, uh, get involved in the matches with yays and boos. Uh, they, they applaud, but that's, a, you know, they're not really like our wrestling fans where they're trying to jump the, the guardrail and get in the ring. If, if you try to heckle them or anything like that, you know, uh, mm. they, they, you know, they're, it's like they're sitting on their hands and things like that. But, um, but the Japanese version, they're a little, they're a little bit more snug with their strikes and, uh, you know, their high risk maneuvers are, are fatal. I mean, they're, they look brutal. Um, you know, um, Puerto Rico, like, uh, they have some pretty vicious fans there. Uh, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, they have them roped off like, uh, with a netting <laughs> so that you can't, they can't throw big objects at you. They can just, you know, so you might get hit with a couple of AAA batteries or something like that sure. as you're walking to the ring and, and those, they, yeah. they slug you with those things, you know, it's not like one being thrown at you. It's like a thousand of them being thrown at you at one time, you know, so they're going to get you. So you're getting hit with AAA batteries and things like that as you're coming out of the, Jeez. you know, you're, uh, <laughs> yeah, coming through the curtain. Yeah. So, um, 
So it just depends on what side of the world you're on. And, and the fans are a little bit different um, as you travel, but, uh, but so is the culture of the wrestling. And so is their history of wrestling. And, you know, uh, the um, South America, like that's a, that's a lot of high flyers and they, uh, they love their country um, and they come out and they support it. So, you you know, you'll get 40 and 50,000 fans in one of those arenas to watch their favorite wrestler because they're out there to support their family. And, and they're, you know, as fans, like they, they, I mean, they're really behind their superstar. And so that's, uh, you know, that's a good thing about being down in Mexico and that South America side, because, you know, every time you go to a wrestling show, as long as they, you know, that those superstars have been advertised and everything, you're going to get, you know, a couple thousand fans just, just on a walk up. Well, alone, you know, if you have a star come in, one of their, their styles, luchadors come in, then you're going to, you have to have a, you know, an outside arena because you're looking at 20, 25, 30,000 oh, yeah. fans coming to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, also uh, the, the late Chris Candido was your manager. Uh, when you, uh, when you guys won the NWA tag team titles, uh, you said that, you know, that was probably the greatest and most memorable uh, was winning it with uh, him at your side as a manager because I believe this was maybe days or so, weeks or so before his passing, right? Yeah, it was just a few days before he passed. Uh, so it ended up being like one of the highlights of my career, even though it was the third time I'd won the, the tag team world titles. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it was just uh, it was weird how things happened. Uh, you know, he, he was going out there with a broken leg and he had just had surgery. And coming to the ring, you know, he's, he's just, he's a wrestler, you know, he's stubborn, just like the rest of us. And even though he's told no, you know, he's, he's going to want to go out there and perform and do what he can. And he ended up getting in the ring that night and flipping the pile so that we won the world titles and something happened to the ref's earpiece where we were told that we were going off the air seven minutes early. Um, the ref was, the earpiece of the ref was messed up. So, so we end up going getting done seven minutes early on TV and you can't do that. Mm -hmm. So you have to fill that seven minutes. So as you know, everybody in the back's freaking out and headsets are getting thrown and things like that. Candido got to take the microphone and he got to give his last speech uh, before his passing, you know, and uh, right there on national TV, just like any pro wrestler would love to have, you know, Mm -hmm. if you knew it was your dying day, you'd like, you know, you want that microphone to say your piece and, you know, uh, even though he passed and, you know, it was a tragedy, uh, the fact of the matter is he did, he did die as a world champion and he did get his, uh, time on TV right there in front of the camera. Uh, and you know, that's, that's all you can ask for as a professional wrestler. So, uh, sure. you know, I was, I was happy, you know, he'd overcome all of his demons in life and, and he was back up on top and that, you know, if you gotta go, I guess that's, that's the way to do it, you know? Sure. Uh, and now, uh, lastly too, uh, in your opinion, has the indie scene, uh, been good out there lately? Uh, a lot of people are talking that, you know, we're kind of like in this boom period. Do you feel that out there right now? Has it just been uh, a little boom with, you know, wrestling around the country? I think there's, uh, I, I just think there's an abundance of wannabe professional wrestlers out there that, you know, it's, it, they're just not get, getting trained properly. And, you know, you can only make a copy of a tape so many times before it just, it's just a tape anymore. It's not a, it's not a copy of anything. It's been ran over and ran uh, and run down for 
so many times, and and I think that's what's happening with, with uh, a lot of the indie scenes of wrestling. Um, I don't think we're I don't think we're at a at a low because there is four or five top promotions in the United States that are drawing you know fifteen hundred two thousand people. Now that they might only be running every couple months, but they're putting the time into promoting and advertising their stars and building people from the ground up and really taking time to get, you know, um, let the fans understand, you know, who each star is so the fan can really get behind the stars. Uh, and I think that's where, uh, indie scene wrestling goes wrong. They, they think just cause you win, uh, that's, you know, that's going to build the crowd and that's not it. The, the crowd has to, they have to know you and they have to feel you and they have to, um, you know, like to, these people work really hard all week long and for them to come in and drop, you know, $30, $40 for them and their family to come out and watch you wrestle, you have to, you have to give them something they have to, they have to get behind you and they have to feel you and they have to see you. They have to get to know you. They have to feel like, you know, they're part of you. And, uh, I, I think a lot of professional wrestlers today, they don't know how to do that. Uh, and that goes all the way from the top down. You know, there's a lot of people on TV right now that don't know how to reach out to the fans and grab a hold of them. And I think it's, I think it's a downward spiral on that part of professional wrestling. Uh, that's, that was an art uh, with a lot of the, the older legends. They knew how to reach out to the TV and grab onto you and make you watch that TV program where you felt like you had to come and you had to turn on that channel the next week and you, you couldn't miss it. You could not miss it. And I think that's a, that's a forgotten art uh, in professional wrestling. So I don't think we're at a, at a low. I just think that there's, there's just something missing. And um, I, I think it'll come back. You know, uh, it, it was created at, some, at one point in time. So even if it's lost, it'll be recreated again. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's where I think professional wrestling is at. But there is, uh, there is some independent uh, companies out there that are, you know, like I said, they're, they're putting 1,500, 2,000 fans, you know, paid tickets in these arenas and they're selling out. So, uh, I don't think wrestling's at a downward spiral. I just think that, you know, as an independent promoter of professional wrestling and, and a booker of professional wrestling, I don't think they grasp the reasoning behind a wrestling show. And, you know, it, it flakes out and runs out of business rather quickly definitely well chase stevens uh i appreciate your time thank you so much once again for everybody out there listening come see him on april 21st at murfreesboro at the national guard armory uh he's going to be in the main event chase any last words for the fans who may be on the fence about getting a ticket for this event well you know if if you was ever a fan of professional wrestling this is the this is one of the shows you want to come to uh there isn't very many out there that i would get behind and I would say this is the one, but this is the one. And from from the very opening match to the end, uh, you're going to get people that's trained hard and and put in their time on the road to be a professional wrestler. You know, uh, everybody on that on that show's a pro, uh, and they really they you know they take their professional wrestling seriously here in Tennessee. So they you know and they're bringing people from all over the country and putting them in you know one arena just to please the fans. They didn't go out and get the people down the road. They, you know, they're, they're reaching out to New York and Texas and everything else to get, you know, fans to, or I mean, get wrestlers to come in just to entertain these fans. So, uh, you're not getting the guy from down the street. You're getting true professional wrestlers that's put in their time on the road. So if you're going to spend that money, this is, this is where you come out and show your kids what true professional wrestling is and, and see that lost art. 
Definitely. And uh, Jace, uh, where can uh, the fans keep up with you today and in, uh, in the social media world? Oh, man, I'm everywhere. I mean, just Google me. I'm out there. No. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm on Facebook, Chase Stevens, uh, Chase Stevens fans. Uh, you can, you can uh, just look that up and it'll pull me right up. Uh, or I'm on uh, Instagram, Chase underscore Stevens. Or you can get me on uh, Twitter under at Naturally Chase. Uh, I got a website, uh, thenaturalchasestevens.com. I'm all over the place. If, if, if they make it, I'm out there. Just look up Chase Stevens. You'll find me. Perfect. Well, Chase, uh, thank you so much for your time tonight. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Promo of the Week. This is my yard now. It's not a draft. It's a shakeup. Uh, Vince announced it on Monday Night Raw, the Raw after Mania, that this upcoming Monday there's going to be a shakeup with the rosters. Now, what the fuck does that mean, a shakeup? Uh, it's not a draft, guys. There's still apparently going to be a draft happening later this year. So right now, this is just a shakeup. It's going to be happening on Monday, though, and Tuesday on SmackDown. So there's going to be something, trades or uh, drafts, or I don't know what they're going to be doing. Are they going to be pulling people from NXT? Are they going to, you know, does Raw get to pull two guys from SmackDown? Does Raw get to pull, uh, SmackDown get to pull guys from Raw? I don't know how it's going to work yet, but uh, what's your first impression of this shakeup? Is it needed right now, or should they have just waited for the draft? Um, I, I think it's good just because you can test the waters with who do you think might benefit from a change right now? Cause there's a lot of guys who are, are starting to get lost in the shuffle, especially with, with these call-ups. I mean, you feel really bad for a guy like Sami Zayn, who is such an incredible talent and you know, he's getting tossed out of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania after he has probably steals the weekend last year with Nakamura. So, I mean, that guy could definitely use a, a little bit of a, a I want to say SmackDown, man. I, I think he needs to go there. Um, so the rumors about this shakeup, it's, it's going to be a trade where they're going to, you know, be able, be able to, to offer each opposing brand, certain amount of guys for these guys. Um, that That's the rumors. I don't know if that's accurate. I know one of the rumors, that were going around was, which I think this is a mistake, AJ coming to Raw, which I, I don't want to see that. I think AJ needs to stay on SmackDown. Um, they also talked about Roman Reigns, Reigns coming over to SmackDown, which I don't really care for. I mean, he, he'll be booed everywhere he goes. Um, another rumor going on, the New Day is expected to go from Raw to SmackDown. Um, Alexa Bliss and Charlotte are going to be flipping spots where Charlotte's going to SmackDown and Alexa Bliss is coming to Raw. Those are the rumors. So it's going to be trades. Um, If that's how it is, I mean... Who the fuck would trade Alexa Bliss for Charlotte? Like I said, the interweb. Hey, if it's on the internet, it's true. Okay? Come on. How many do you think is going to happen, though? Are we going to get just... Five guys move, just two guys, just three guys? Because the draft, I forget how many they drafted last year, but it was, 
you know, it's the whole roster kind of a thing. So, uh, do you think it's going to be limited to just like a handful of guys and girls or whatever? Yeah, I think it's going to be like maybe four to five, maybe one guy, one tag team, or maybe two guys, one girl, and a tag team. I think I think you can make a lot of good changes that way. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, <clears throat> with these call ups, I mean. Does that mean that the revival is going to actually be on Raw, or is that just for them to debut? Like, they didn't actually say these guys were brand exclusive yet. You know what I mean? So, who the hell knows? You never know. Maybe Nakamura's on fucking Raw. I know. It's like they brought them in just to bring them in to hype the 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 shows after Mania, but now it's yes. like, well, you know, we can still just move them over there just to shake it up a bit, right? So. Uh, like Mike, you, you said some of the rumors of who's gonna be going, but how about this? Uh, who do you guys want to see go go where? I think some of the biggest names, uh, two off the top of my head, it, it would be Sami Zayn to SmackDown. I yep. think he could shine better over there than what he's doing on Raw right now. And I would hope for Dolph Ziggler to go to Raw. I think he's so buried on SmackDown, like they just don't even have anything for him. Hopefully, maybe over on the the Raw ponds, he could do some more swimming, if you will. You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Sami Zayn needs to go to SmackDown. I wanted Sami Zayn to go to SmackDown when the draft first started last summer because I he, I knew for a fact that him versus Kevin Owens at Battleground was not going to be the last time these guys faced each other if they were on the same brand. WWE just kept throwing it at us, and I loved those guys in the ring together. They were always good, but when you see it every every Monday on Raw, it starts to get a little stale. Uh, Sami Zayn will benefit tremendously on the SmackDown brand. I mean, I wanted to see him and AJ Styles for the WWE title. I thought that would have been a great feud going into like a pay-per-view or something. Um, somebody from SmackDown, I think Ziggler would benefit, like you said. Um, I also want to see... Who do I want to see? I don't want to see AJ Styles. That's one of the biggest rumors going on. Um, the, the women need to be shaked up a little bit too. I think, um, I, I yeah. don't think AJ is going anywhere. I mean, they did that whole promo not. with him and Shane where I don't want to go anywhere. And if it's going to be a trade style and he's saying that to Shane, I don't think Shane would trade him. How, um, guys, how, okay. So how about that to where, you know, I, I, th- I agree with you. I think the, the women, when they went to raw, I think they almost, they gave them three out of the four horsewomen and, uh, poor, uh, uh Becky Lynch got stuck on SmackDown, so I wonder if they'll try to to even out the, the playing field with those girls. But the championships, uh, I heard, hey, could they move the IC championship over to Raw and the U.S. championship over to SmackDown? Because I heard one of the reasons, uh, once again, you know the internet, uh, one of the reasons that Dean kept the, the championship was that they were probably going to move him back to Raw and then maybe move Kevin Owens over to SmackDown and moving those the U.S. and the Intercontinental Championships around. Do you think something like that could happen? Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. I, I would hope not. I think uh, that's the they, only, they, they, that's they, really the only title you can move except for, well, the WWE Championship or the Universal one, but obviously you can't move the the, the women's championships or the or the tag team championships, you know. Since I'll tell, you, I'll tell you right now, um, typical WWE, if one of those titles get moved to a brand, you know the other, t- other title is going the opposite direction. Yeah, they gotta they gotta make it not so obvious. It's kind of stupid, and it's it's gonna be so obvious. Like, if just say they they get Ambrose to Raw, you know damn well Kevin Owens is going to SmackDown. It's it, the writing's on the wall. They're not gonna keep both of those titles on the same brand. Uh, you know, here's I think 
We're talking about guys we think we could benefit. I think Ambrose needs to go to Raw. I think if they're going to build this Triple H fucking stable, what we've all been hearing about, why not put the shield up against them? I think that would be cool. Um, I would love to see the Hardys move to SmackDown because I think if you're going to tease this broken gimmick, I think a great program would be the Broken Hardys and the Wyatts. Um, how about, you know, you said you didn't want to see AJ, but happen, what happens if you get AJ to Raw, you get the club reunited, gets, then you send Roman Reigns over to SmackDown, then you have his, you can have him have the little, uh, I don't know, the Samoan dynasty with uh, him and the Usos. Uh, you know, because the whole, the whole Samoan dynasty did not fly, you know, the, the Usos, the heels that they are, but for some reason, the people like them as heels. It doesn't matter what you do with Roman. I think the only way to get him over is to put him back in the shield. I love the Usos as the heels. I think they're great too. Day one-ish on their sweaters. I love it. I do. I think AJ needs to stay on SmackDown. He established that he is the face that truly does run that place. Yeah. He's the face of SmackDown. He's their guy. I mean, with the absence of guys like John Cena, he was that guy who was carrying that brand and made it good. I think that needs to happen I want to if Ambrose is going to go to the Raw. I honestly like I'm I'm over the Ambrose character. It's the same stuff. Like Seth Rollins evolved, Roman Reigns even evolved a little bit, not as much. But Ambrose just seems to be the same guy. I mean, I want to see a heel turn with this guy. Yeah. Well, I want to see the Ambrose. That I, I want to see John Moxley, the guy that I actually liked in the indie scene, the crazy psychotic heel. Bring him over to Raw. That would be great. Definitely. If, and that's the other thing. If you get, if you want to do a, reuni- a reuniting of the club, you know, bring bring the club over to SmackDown. That tag division is fucking terrible. Yeah. You have so many good teams on Raw, which is funny because now that I, you made me think about the actual Raw teams on the roster because I'm like the Raw ones weren't much better. But now when I actually looked at it, I'm like, oh shit, you know, they're they're not half bad. I forgot about the club. I forgot about. Uh, not that I forgot about Sheamus and Cesaro. It's the just they're not contenders. really. Are they really? They're the number one contenders for the Hardys uh, championship. So now my question to you guys is this. Do you think like they're going to like just say whatever it is, shake up draft trade, whatever. Do you think a guy like Cesaro gets sent over to SmackDown, which breaks up that tag team? That'd be No, I don't think they're going to break up. Teams. Th- but you know what they said back then? You know, uh, you just to bring that up. You, you struck that nerve in my head to where. You know, Daniel Bryan has said it before where he would really love a Cesaro. He would love a Sami Zayn uh, to where I would love to see them get pushed uh, for, like, a championship on there. Because, uh, you know what, I, I even heard Brock Lesnar's not going to even defend the Universal Championship to probably almost June. So Raw is not going to even have, like, a main championship on, the, on their show for a few months. Uh, which, surprise, surprise, you know... Uh, fuck you know it's like what are they going to do with that so maybe raw does get the u.s and the ic championship for a little bit until the draft uh, to where then somebody gets drafted back onto the other show to fill that void but i don't know so many options are happening i guess right anything's really possible anything anything possible. is possible <laughs> let's let's just give them the green light and just shut the fuck up up, up, up. can we like never ever ever hear that song ever again.
you turn that fucking song off, if I hear it one more time, I'm gonna go fucking crazy. Oh, mom. It's what I'm